0: If Morrie supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Remember, guys, guys. The
1: Blubbity Blah. The Blubbity Blah. Sending out good vibes. And the Blubbity Blah. Good vibes. And the Blubbity Blah. Good vibes. And the Blubbity Blah. Good vibes. Good vibes. Underneath breaths
2: of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection. And put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track. Shivers or vibrations and stuff like that.
3: No, yeah, you got it though It's like a 10 to 1 ratio of women and men that have autoimmune disease So that's pretty good piece of evidence That uh, there's a hormonal issue happening
0: Okay guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show we are going to be chatting with Mark Sloan a little bit later about his red light therapy device and cancer conspiracies and sugar and all sorts of these weird, mind-blowing things. Um, some of them are a little hard to swallow, and this is also the last. We just did this interview like a couple of days ago. Well,
2: we're... let's clarify. I mean, he's done. He's written books on red light therapy. Mm-hmm. Fifty thousand studies of red light therapy of the benefits. Right, That's of red right.
0: Light therapy. When does yours? And get the hit? cancer
2: conspiracy and all the hard to swallow stuff was the stuff that kind of
0: saying sugar is, was okay. <laughs>
2: so, yeah, it's it's more about like contradicting the diet current stuff. diet phase and the cr- the tra- the trends and the
0: the trends. I'm
2: trying to say the crazes and the trends.
0: Yeah, I don't know. In my personal experience, sugar is not good for me.
2: Well, I'm, I mean, I haven't had a dessert since New New Year's Eve and and I'm not really noticing that much of a difference. I should have just, and I've cut out a lot of other junk as well and I might as well just be eating it.
0: think so? It's, you don't feel any better?
2: I feel less bloated for sure. And, you know, I look, I see. You look a down, little better. Looking down what about, my tummy.
0: your boobs are smaller. What about, uh. So did you cut out sugar?
2: Well, for the most part. I mean, I, I, I'm i not going to like, you
0: know. I've ca- never cut out sugar.
2: I'm not, I'm not going to the, if sugar's included in, you know, pasta sauce or whatever. Like, and I'm not having pasta. I'm trying to cut out that.
0: What was the sauce like, what are on? Mean, what were you putting the pasta sauce on?
2: On fake pasta, like red oh. lentil pasta
0: or. Or, you uh, got to watch some of that fake stuff. I worry that's not good That's the problem.
2: I know. That's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think Mark's opinion would be that stresses out the cells more. I think he's kind of all about not stressing the cells.
0: Hmm. I don't but think piling a bunch disease. of sugar in though, because what I don't think we're taking into account is that from a like historical standpoint or an evolutionary that standpoint, sugar, getting white white the amount of sugar that the average American or North American is taking in in a day I don't see how ancient man could have fucking tracked down that much sugar other than like finding a fucking honeycomb every day, finding a bee's nest, like Winnie the Pooh and busting into that shit. Not only that, but I... Where else are you getting that sugar? Or like, unless all you eat is like blueberries all day, but then that's not even still, that's not the refined sugar.
2: Exactly. Not only that, but I don't think we've evolved to handle the scientific construction of the bliss point. Like these people are giving us chemicals in their sugar and their, in their carbs that actually activate our dopamine and stuff. Right. I mean, it's a bliss. You have one of those They're even making gluten-free crackers that good. There's a gluten-free cracker. that's so good. I just want to eat the whole fucking
0: box. That's it like might as well orders. be Ritz. That's like as well Ritz. It might as well be Ritz. Fake Oreos. That's what I'm if saying. If I have one of them, if I'm just sitting on my couch. And that's a gluten-free and those Oreos. And so if gluten-free Oreos that's are in the cupboard. That's I'm just like, motherfucker, those. And I'll be telling myself, I'm like, no, you're not eating any Oreos tonight and that don't matter.
2: Yeah, I know. A, hey, you're talking to an addict here. So, and I know once exactly I eat one mean. of them,
0: that's it. And then I feel like shit. But it could be something else in there that's making that's me feel the thing, like
2: shit. Because that that stuff has all these extra chemicals and it. I think too. Not all the time, but sometimes. I mean, it's not just your your perfect organic. uh But
0: just because I've just because I've adapted to deal with a whack of sugar. Because that's the other have thing. Have you really Because I think though, that humans I mean, are super adaptable. I mean, yeah. you could live on fucking cardboard probably if you could figure it out. So, you know, we've adapted to being able to have all this sugar in our diet. We have a giant obesity problem.
2: I know. That's why I was surprised when he, when he talked the about. the dental stuff.
0: Like my fucking teeth aren't made to have sugar on them. Right. Right. I have fucking terrible well, teeth, I- teeth problems all the time. And I have a, a pretty clean diet. You know what I mean? I have a pretty clean diet. I don't smoke anymore. I keep pretty clean, but I still have to, I have to be on top of my teeth just from that sugar. That sugar yeah. just fucking destroys it.
2: Well, the part that shocked me is I was talking about how we don't need three meals and he's like, well, three meals is okay. Like three meals. But in my head over the last few years, when we were talking about intermittent fasting and fasting and keto and smaller portions and all this stuff and getting, energy from other places, you th- I, I just don't feel like... I feel like we've been we've been consumerized into three meals from the breakfast industry way back when, from everything. It's like three meals a day from our governmental food charts that are, are worthless now because they're all backwards.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to look back at that. I think the three meals a day thing, I think, is based on something, though.
2: I don't think so in Europe, even. they It just wasn't they, like... They have late dinners. I don't think it's like... Don't they have Bacon late and dinners eggs and then they have...
0: fucking all that shit. And then a giant lunch and then a big dinner though. I think it's just like that's what I mean. smaller it's... bits. It would but be it's... like but three meals also... a day, but small. I
2: don't think it's like maybe a snack and two meals or whatever.
0: There's I mean, no way these motherfuckers were eating as much as we we're eating no, hundred years I, ago. I know. It's not I mean, just like, I know. we're huge. We're bloated. Yeah. We're swollen. Something's going dumb. on. Dumb. We're dumb. We're getting dumber. You know, that's the other thing is you notice how your brain works. Is your brain working better?
2: Uh, it's I don't know. It's, it kinda, kinda.
0: Huh. Not
2: like last year. Last year I seemed to notice a bit of a, a bigger difference.
0: Hmm. How are you sleeping?
2: Um, oh, I always I don't have a problem sleeping at all, really.
0: Unless so it's like you don't, after you just hockey, don't sleep I have a hard
2: time sleeping. Well, in the week. What do you mean?
0: Well, you only get what do you shooting for like five, six hours a night?
2: Uh, yeah, I get uh, yeah, five, six hours a night. Yeah,
0: six hours a night usually. I shoot for seven minimum.
2: Well, that's pretty good. That's yeah. good.
0: I don't always get it, but I get 7 hours at least four nights a week. I saw if a great I'm still, meme. If I'm up at 11, it's pretty rare. Yeah. Uh, and then I wake up around 5:45, 6.
2: Yeah, I usually go to bed at 11:30, but then there's nights where hockey just I can't sleep after hockey. So I'm up till 1 or whatever and and then trying to make up for that afterwards. I saw this great meme about about waking up how hard it is to wake up early through the through the week through the week and then on the weekend you're like up early and you don't want to be you're like now it's the weekend i want to sleep in a little bit and i'm up early
0: no, i don't have that problem i know some people do it's
2: pretty funny meme still i mean
0: i don't sleep in that late but well, usually eight yeah eight, eight, 30, eight, yeah, eight, 30, eight thirty nine 30 o'clock is, yeah. on the weekend yeah. is pretty good
2: wouldn't it be nice to get up like that just when it like naturally every day that's the goal
0: yeah yeah <laughs> maybe get up like eight's you... a good time yeah eight's a pretty good time 5.45 is a couple fucking hours earlier than I want to be waking up. Because I'll tell you what, last night I think we went to bed quarter after 10. Get up, and I am I fall asleep quick. Yeah. So by 10.30, I'm out. So I got, and then I get up 5.45. So what's that? That's over seven hours of sleep. Yeah, that's, that's so good. Approaching eight hours of sleep. Yeah, that's solid. And then try and drag my ass out of bed. The alarm goes off, I'm just like, fuck me, I yeah. could use another. So even if I go to bed at 9 o'clock, that fucking alarm no, clock no, in the morning point. drives me crazy. Yeah, I know. And yeah. I, I've, I haven't found the point where going to bed earlier It will, there defeats will be, that.
2: No, there will be one. And that 8.39 will do it.
0: How do you go to bed at 8.30? I can barely get my fucking he says, six-year-old daughter to so to, go funny to sleep at
2: Today I heard a guy say, I went to bed at 8.30 last night. It was fantastic.
0: It was amazing. <laughs> I'm too FOMO for that. I know, me too. Yeah. I feel like I'm missing out on my whole life yep, then. I know. I'm super FOMO. But then, if I could get up at like.
2: That's what kept me out all night in my early days. It was well, I, FOMO.
0: I'm, I'll tell you what. I'm fucking I FOMO. was really now.
2: FOMO like 15, 20 years ago.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's why I went back and read the whole unabridged version of the Brothers Karamazov. Okay. Because the one I read was like seven hours. The audiobook was seven hours. And then I found the unabridged versions 38 hours. I'm Holy. Like, what did I miss? <laughs> I gotta go back. I gotta go back and slug it through did this. Fucking it? Thing. I did it. Was yeah. it worth it? Yeah. It was That's worth long, it for the first know. like 30 hours. The last eight, I was done. Like, yeah, really? Yeah. So listening... you don't feel
2: like you have to finish that stuff off. You can just put
0: it down anytime. I I Well I already knew the ending too, because I'd read the abridged. Right. Oh, so there it's like you go. The After so getting into the court thing and everything yeah. again, it's like, I already know what yeah. happens. So I've, I've, I'm, it done. I'm done. i done. Yeah. And I got to say, I fucking like doing better. Good. There was more, there's something about the Dostoevsky stuff that's uh, very, I don't know what the word is. Maybe uh, poetic. The Dune's not really poetic, but the character development and everything else is it's one of the, it's probably the best sci-fi book I've ever read. I haven't read a lot of sci-fi, but that was the most compelled I've been by a book in a long fucking time. And it's a long book too.
2: Yeah, that's why it was so popular, man. Yeah, I didn't, a, I didn't know anything yeah,
0: about it. Yeah. Dune had completely escaped my radar. Yeah. Brian Lord is over the moon. I've been talking to him about it. Yeah, He's like, you loved it? He's like, I loved it. He's yeah. like, that shit was formative. It was great. It would have been a great book to read when you were in your teens, for sure.
2: Yeah, we got to get Brian back on the show
0: soon. Yeah, we should. We later. Can... I Actually, I'm halfway through the next Dune book now, Messiah. Oh,
2: cool.
0: So I'm, I'm going to go through all the ones Herbert wrote, at least. That's another Star Wars. I mean, you start looking, you Google Dune books, they're fucking, they're still writing these things. Oh, yeah. His like son or somebody there is still writing Dune books. Wow. They're still coming out. I have a feeling it, it had to get shitty somewhere along the line. Yeah, they usually can't keep it up. No, like Star Wars fell off fast.
2: I like, some, it, I like some less... But I've been enjoying like, Messiah. Yeah. See, the brilliance about audiobooks is like I listen to... Like when I think back about when I first started listening to audiobooks like 10, 12, 15 years ago, like I listened to all of Star... Like a ton of Star Wars audiobooks. And then Ben Bova is a great... He's... I think he won a couple... Uh, couple of the sci-fi awards the i can't remember what they're called now and, uh, and the guy who wrote um, ender's game it's fantastic as well but you sh- you could get into some of the other classic ones
0: well the i got, got a bunch ones. of time on, on my trip to texas this you weekend might like some i'm old... gonna finish the redemption of ultimus yeah. i wish Dune what they would have done i wish they would have picked dune instead of star wars to do the whole crazy movies with I was never really that big of a Star Wars guy, And you know what? Now my kids are all over Star Wars. They just love this shit. They yeah. think The Return of the Jedi is the best movie ever made.
2: Really? Can't oh, get them, pretty good.
0: Can't get them to watch Star Trek. Really? Yeah. I'm
2: yeah, more of a Star, Star, Star Trek a bit, guy over Star Wars. It's a bit nerdier, Star Trek.
0: I prefer Dune to Star, Star Wars. Star Trek's a sure, bit though. more
2: like science-y and, and Star Wars is a bit more like esoteric, you know? Yeah. Like with the Force and all
0: that. Yeah, I'd like to see someone. You know who should do Dune is uh, Netflix. They could do it proper. I feel like like some of these shows like that have really overshot what the movies can do.
2: Yeah. I listened to the Viking lectures, like 36 lectures on the Vikings, and I've been into this North stuff. And, and uh, it's interesting how England wouldn't have been England without these Viking, Viking raids to really bring the whole thing together. The lectures were great. And then I started watching the Viking show finally. And it's about that time in the eight hundreds when the Vikings first sailed west. Like the first couple episodes, like the guy, he's like, we got to sail west, no more sailing easters. He's got rumors about this and he finds a way to navigate the open channel and get to the England. And they just find they pillage it, get all the treasure. Like it's Mm. fantastic. It's a great series. Like you said, it's kind of like got that somewhat of a, who knows how historically true it is, but it's enough to make you think. They've done their research on on their, you know, their culture and their magic and their their um,
0: yeah, their pillaging I
2: like, and, and you know, all that.
0: I like Lost in Space. And that's like that example because I, I don't feel like I'm watching a show. Yeah. I feel like it's just this long, yeah. drawn-out yeah. movie. It's very book-like yeah. like that. Yeah. And it doesn't really have an end. So I'm not, I don't have to cram this. I don't have to cram this experience. I don't even know where that noise came from. <laughs> I don't have to cram this experience into yeah. two hours or something like that. I can draw it out yeah. over weeks and And if the characters months, are
2: or... good and, and the story's yeah, good. Yeah,
0: and Lost in Space is shit compared to Dune, I'll be honest. But it's still, it's. I got into it and it's compelling. And then it, now it's over. I watched season two. There'll be another season eventually, but I got to wait.
2: Orson Scott Card is one of my favorites.
0: I tried forcing another one. It was called like Another Life on Netflix. So mm-hmm. I like forced the first two episodes. And after it, I'm, I'm still like, am I going to watch episode three? I don't want to, but I kind of, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I've yeah. got a little more free time in my life right now for that sort of entertainment. I think maybe I'm missing something after after that whole Dune experience. It was really great. That audiobook was fucking fantastic with all the different... Uh, narrators. Yeah. Narrators. Yeah. That one dude now is in So, um, Was it Brick? Scott
2: Brick? Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. I told you. That was one of my favorites, <laughs> yeah. right? I told you. This from, guy is fucking from the beginning. amazing. Oh, yeah. From the beginning. Oh. I, he was one of my first narrators I listened to. Don't it was always Scott Brick and uh, Stefan Rudnicki, who I liked. And Stefan does... He's done uh, this whole series I'm listening to. It's like a... It's a fantasy series of, like, basically the Norse gods and uh, that Here, type of thing. I'll show you this thing, once, just see.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was, like, driving <laughs> over the tracks, <laughs> ignoring that call. That's why he called me. Yeah. Because you always pick up. Uh, I was going to check and see if... What was the other fellow's name? Scott Brick. I want to see if he's... Uh, uh, no, I'm not going to listen. Yeah. I want to mm. see if he's... What's his name? No, the other guy, not Stefan Mark. Stefan Rudnicki? Stefan Rudnicki.
2: Yeah. He might be in the dude. He does a lot of sci fi. He did um, Ben
0: Bova's and also some of the other ones Orson Scott Cards. Scott Brick, Orla Cassidy, Ewan Morton, Simon Vance, Ileana Kadushin. There's more than that, though. I think it's like 12 or something. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was really well done. I feel like doing, uh, you know, I wish that dude was still alive because I want to know who's who in that, in that book, because I feel like it's written about earth yeah. and like superpowers and stuff like that. I've been spinning around in my head all these different ways, but there's really no way, no one for sure without getting inside that dude's head and how he thought about it all. Anyway, yeah, Scott Brick. I'm in. That Good dude stuff. is fucking amazing. Yep. Like when his part comes on, I get excited. Yeah. Cause oh yeah. He can now, do you the what I, now you know. Now and... you don't
2: have been saying for like five. I mentioned Scott Brick's name to you probably oh, five years ago. Oh yeah. No, no I
0: knew. And because I listened to, I've been waiting to mention like, it to who you. Who is this? Guy? Because this guy is just because that one Doom book has ten, eleven narrators. Yeah. But he's yeah. the main one. Yeah. And whenever it comes back to him, I yeah. find myself a little disappointed whenever it switches to someone else. Yeah. Because he, I was like, I just want this guy to read the yeah. book. Fuck know, all you guys.
2: He's pretty intense. He's over the top in a way, but it's not in a. It's not in a way that's over like I like I like that deadpan Stefan Rudnicki where he, he just he doesn't he doesn't overdo the characters but he'll have his like his like six voices that he does just to make it seem like he, you know he knows who it is but it's not he's not acting it It doesn't feel like they're acting it do you know what I mean yeah I not dramatic s- and over the top but it's just the way
0: they I could see myself searching by by narrator that's what
2: I do yeah yeah, yeah. well that's how I found this. This Viking saga that I'm, or it's not even Viking. It's a, it's a, uh, it, it's a fantasy series about the, the Norse gods and stuff like that. But it's him that, uh, that that reads it, and that's one of the reasons why I chose it, and it's great.
0: Nice, yeah. You know what else was a great book? Uh, on on the vein of the audiobooks was the Chrysalids. I had read that book when I was a kid yeah. and then I listened to it on audio. I was trying to get my kids to listen to it. They're not quite there yet a couple more years, but that one always resonated with me too. Cause you don't figure out what's going on until you're like halfway through the book when you realize it's like, I don't want to say too much or give away too much, but I recommend that book too. to so the Harbinger. We don't get any money when you buy these audiobooks. by the way, audible doesn't give us any fucking money. No. You can support us by buying some of our books
2: yeah, we're putting some out. I just want to mention that th- that series I was talking about is called The Harbinger of Doom by uh, Glenn G. Thayer. Oh, and I forgot to tell you, they incorporate some of the actual tablets that were found like hundreds of thousands of years ago into that mythology of that. Nice. Which is fantastic. So it's kind of based, like, they actually try and incorporate the real stuff that was written down way back then into this fantasy series. And that's
0: 36 hours?
2: Oh, no, no. It's, no. I don't know. I'm on book seven or something on it. It's... Uh, it's an epic fantasy series, like so each book is
0: I don't know how far I'm gonna go down this dune rabbit hole. I'm gonna go I'm I've committed to the first three books, which yeah. is like forty two fucking hours. So I can't believe we we'll talked this long
2: that. on the intro about uh about our own shit. We got stuff to share about listeners and Do we? Yeah.
0: Uh got well, a new I did segment to, say, to do. Quickly? We'll have some links out soon for how people can uh we're gonna do some audiobook stuff with some stuff that's uh in the public domain, which of course we had to publish it as an ebook so we could link the audiobook to it. So that's a whole little thing that's gonna be we'll have more information on that in the next couple of months for you audiobook people. Yeah. Maybe that's why we are going to time talking about Audible because we're about to be making content for Audible. That's true. We already are making content for Audible. Yes, we are. We might even put Mark's books on Audible. But it looks like that's going to start accelerating and we're going to get more content on Audible and some of it might actually be published by America. Yeah. Which means that when you guys go buy those books, you're supporting the show. Yeah. Things to think about. Yeah. Uh, What else we got? Contact at the cabin. I regret to inform you that uh, all the spots for April are sold out. And the spots for September are gone too. Uh, I apologize that there might be one or two left at this point, but if all the people that are kicking tires come through, which could happen in the next hour or could not happen or could happen in a week, but all those spots are taken. um, Email me if you're interested. We're playing with the possibility of maybe adding, adding as another event uh, but it's going to depend on where the interest is at. So if you're interested in another one, shoot me an email. I apologize that you guys didn't get a spot if you didn't, but, uh, I did say this was going to sell it fast. I didn't think it was going to sell it as quick as it did, but, uh, I mean, it did. So com, shoot me an email. I will add you to the waiting list and, uh, I mean if you get in quick before someone else buys these last two tickets or three tickets that everyone's kicking tires on right now you might get in you might not if you don't get in I'll add you to the, your name to the list and if we get you know if we have enough people interested in a second event we'll probably do it that's the that's the murmurings from the camp right now I had a conference call with the team last night and uh we're not committing to anything yet we want to see if the what the interest is like and then we'll make a decision but uh yeah both of our twenty twenty events are sold out, which is exciting news. Yeah, that's great. This yeah, means yeah. there seems to be an interest in CAC, so we'll keep pushing forward. I think we'll plan three or four events for twenty twenty one, so keep an eye on that. One of which will be in the United Kingdom. Sweet. Yeah. So what do you got?
2: Well, we got uh, I got a quote from the Octopus of Global Control, our normal book, and I've also got a new Article to read, not an article, a new project to read from our Operation Project oh,
0: segment. Project Operation is project still going. So do you know
2: the difference between a project and an operation?
0: No, can you tell me? No, I can't. Google it. Uh, some other time. What's the definition of project?
2: Like without it being a CIA project, for example, or? Yes. Because this is, this the re- reason I brought it up is this one I'm going to be reading about, Project Artichoke, which probably lots of people have heard of. I think it's one of the more popular secret project operations, but it also says also referred to as operation artichoke. Cause I was thinking in my head, how do I define the difference between a, like, what's the difference between a project and an operation? Every time I go to define one, it seems like it could apply to the other. So I don't know. Are you ready? Yeah. So this is project artichoke also referred to as operation artichoke. And it was a CIA project that re that researched interrogation methods. That's probably why we've all heard of it. It was preceded by a bluebird and an artichoke officially rose around or on August 20th, 1951. And it was operated by CIA's office of scientific intelligence. The primary goal of project artichoke was to determine whether a person could be involuntarily made to perform an act of an attempted assassination. The project also studied hypnosis, forced morphine addiction and subsequent uh, forced withdrawal subsequent and the use of other chemicals, including LSD to produce amnesia and other other vulnerable States.
0: I feel, I feel like I'm going to, ha- I'm going to start mentioning these words not to be a dick just so that there's less audio edit, audiobook editing. I
2: like the- that. I am never going to change some of these. Really? Dude, yeah.
0: Subsc- say subsequent. That, subsequent. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: This Project Maybe art- you're right. So this is why everybody's heard of it, because Project Artichoke led to part Project MKUltra. Artichoke was a mind control program that gathered information together with the CIA, with the intelligence divisions of the Army, Navy, Air, Air Force, and FBI.
0: MKUltra sounds mind control. I know. Artichoke I know. just doesn't. I know. It I know. sounds so like somebody's sneaking art- hookers in.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to find one that would be a little more appropriate to our, our show with Mark, but uh, I didn't have the time. In addition, the scope of the project was outlined in a memo dated 1952 that stated, can we get control of an individual to the point where he will do our bidding against his will and even against fundamental laws of nature, such as self-preservation. That's a pretty heavy-handed goal there. Project Artichoke was the CIA's secret codename for carrying out in-house and overseas experiments using LSD, hypnosis, and total isolation as forms of Physiological harassment for special interrogations on human subjects. At first, agents used cocaine, marijuana, heroin, peyote, and mescaline, but they increasingly saw LSD as the most promising drug. The subjects who left this project were fogged with amnesia, resulting in faulty and vague memories of the experience. In 1952, LSD was increasingly given to the unknowing CIA agents to determine the drug's effects on unsuspecting people. One record states that an agent was kept on LSD for 77 days. Artichoke researched the potential of dengue fever fever and other diseases. A declassified artichoke memo read, not all viruses have to be lethal. The objective includes those that act as short-term and long-term incapacitating agents. The CIA disputed which department would take over the operation. Finally, it was decided that an agent from the CIA research staff, former U.S. Army Brigadier General Paul F. Gaynor, would oversee it. The CIA sought to establish control over what it perceived as the weaker and less intelligent segments of society, or for potential agents, defectors, refugees, POWs, and others. A CIA report states that if hypnosis succeeded, assassins, don't forget this is back in the early 50s, also, I want to read that other one that, uh, about back then, the Brookings Institute one, I think. No, the Brook, uh, I'll think of it later. Okay. It's, it's, uh, that if hypnosis succeeded, assassins could be created to assassinate a prominent politician or, if necessary, an American official. The overseas operations took place in locations through Europe, Japan, Southeast Asia, and the Philippines. Teams were assembled to manage these operations and they were told to conduct at the overseas bases operational experiments utilizing aliens as subjects.
0: There you go. Maybe even a president. Definition of operation. The fact or condition of functioning or being active.
2: Hmm. Did you find the definition of project as well?
0: The The second definition active surgery performed on a patient mm-hmm. project, an individual or collaborative enterprise that is carefully planned and designed to achieve a particular aim. Hmm. So the operation would be the carrying out. Yeah. Yeah. Of that's kind of,
2: it's funny cause that's the way I looked at it, but then I thought, but it still could apply to the other word in a way. You know what I mean? Like if you're carrying out, you could be carrying out a project, you would think, which no, includes that's an the op- operation. And it's an
0: operation. I know, Once it's... you start carrying it out, you're in the operation. Mm. It's only a project until you start it. And then you need a manager. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's the profound core
1: of the week. Can you guess it? It's the profound quote of the week. Can you guess the human who spoke it or wrote it down? Profound quote of the
2: week. I was trying to pick one out of this book that it was appropriate to this episode. Like I was looking in the chapter uh, on scientific control. For example, um does this cancer make me look skinny? I's a little section in here. The Center for Disease Creation, so I'm in that chapter right now. Oh no, this is under the perfect business model within that chapter. Do you think oil and gas have a big influence in the capital well that's that's the next biggest. The pharmaceutical industry puts twice into lobbying double the double the amount in oil and gas, and four times what defense and aerospace put in. So they control Congress.
0: I've been saying that for a long time. Whose quote is that? That's gotta be RFK. Yep. Ah, good one. <laughs> Bingo. How about you get one? Once a year. Yep. That's the twenty twenty one down the drain. <laughs> well, we better get out of here. Yep. I got some shit to do. It's getting late. Getting dark, getting cold. We did get a nice little warm spell. Yeah, coming oh, yeah. through. It's nice interesting reprieve.
2: when when minus twenty feels warm. You know, it's been a cold winter. Fuck Like yeah. literally went outside. I'm like, oh, it's nice out. I look at the temperature, minus eighteen, minus twenty, and it feels good.
0: I'll probably record a little swap cast with the Snake Bros this weekend. I'll uh, oh, do you want to bet on that? Five bucks. Sure. Why? You don't? Think, did you talk to him?
2: No, it's just, hey. We, it just like, never happens. Travel, travel, is, that's always the thing. Yeah. And, you know, we're we're going to do all this be and and Like, no.
0: no. It's, it's going to be tough to want a podcast yeah. when you're going to visit a new place, you yeah. know? Yeah. But I do want to. Sp- it would be good to do that, though. I want to spend some time in the cube. Call
2: me if you if you want, and we'll, I'll just join you.
0: Yeah, maybe I'll shoot you a text. Yeah. I don't want to go to Texas and call you, bro. <laughs> What'd you do? I called him. <laughs> I was thinking more so I could chat with the snake bros, not you. Yeah, maybe we could do a little half hour or something. Maybe after I go blow some shit up. That'll be fun. All right, GrandMarker.ca slash support. Support the show. Help us keep having these fantastic shows. This is number 399. Next week's 400, it's the call in show, 403 702 6083. If you want to call us, we'll be on from 9 p.m. Eastern till midnight, January 29th. Talk about what you think is the most important thing to talk about. Hey, call in, say whatever the fuck you want. We don't care. If you're a supporter, you can even swear. Uh grandmarco.ca support so you can be a supporter before the call in show sign up for monthly sign up for yearly sign up for something do a one time donation do whatever you can to help keep the wheels flowing because we need to keep the wheels flowing and uh 400 shows all for free we didn't charge you a dime for any of them unless you wanted to volunteer some funds maybe it's time 400 shows could be the catalyst to appreciate the there value you go. GoAmerica.ca slash support. Because we couldn't do it without you. We couldn't do it without you. We love you for it. Uh, Join the chats. GoAmerica.ca slash chats. And call in on the 29th. 403-702-6083. Other than that, enjoy this chat. Mr. Mark Sloan.
2: Tonight from the other side of Canada, we've got Mark Sloan with us from endalldisease.com and the author of The Red Light Therapy, Miracle Medicine, and a few cancer books as well. The Cancer Industry, uh, Cancer, The Metabolic Disease Unraveled, and Cancer Cured, Victory Over the War on Cancer. We're going to be talking about all that stuff. We've both had family members, immediate family members that have died from this disease. So it'll be a heavy but interesting and kind of scary chat.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Welcome, Mark. Thanks for joining us.
3: No oh, thanks. It's good to be here.
2: Yeah, like we were saying beforehand, it's like you know your head. There's a lot of information in your book. I mean, the half your book is references and uh, lots of studies, lots of technical stuff. I mean, part of me is just it's amazed how somebody like yourself who who goes through this personally puts together this book and kind of you kind of lay it out for us. You know, for the layman to be able to understand what's happening, I really appreciate that.
3: Yeah, exactly. That was kind of my. My purpose with that, I uh, I mean, what's the point of science if the layman can't understand it? You know, it's like they talk in their own language. Yeah. So, but it's for the people to benefit from. So I thought I would be like a translator, learn the difficult intricacies and try to make that simple for everyone to know.
2: Was that hard? Because that's, you can't just, not everybody can just jump <laughs> into that. I mean.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean. It took three years between the two books. And between the two, they contain over 2,500 scientific and clinical references. <laughs> uh, so I had to read all those and many more to filter out the ones that I wanted to use. So I probably read over 10,000 studies, at least the abstracts. and
2: uh, Yeah, yeah, to see if you wanted to so dig deeper from. into each one. Yeah, So that the two books were the red light and the first cancer one?
3: Uh, no, so I have three books. One is the cancer industry. And that is my investigation into the cancer industry to find out what the hell happened to my mom. Right. Yeah. Um, And then the second one, once you know uh, about the cancer industry, it kind of creates a void of like, okay, (laughs) what, what do I do next? So that was part two, cancer, the metabolic disease unraveled. And that in this book, I get into what's happening in the body of a person with cancer, and the most efficient ways to reverse it which amazingly it's all been discovered not a single additional study needs to be done in order for us to put this disease behind us forever and i like to think every single study necessary to do that is in the book it's all there so anybody with a pulse or a breath needs to read these books
2: yeah and and then the and then after that there was the red light therapy book
3: yeah and then i like focusing also um on Alternative medicines that don't harm people. Uh, so red light therapy is, and forever will be, one of our best options for reversing virtually any disease.
2: And then, what so about 12, the other? Yeah. What about the other book there, the, the victory one? Is that is that coming out, or is that a just an ebook form for now? Or?
3: yeah, that's. Uh, I might take that. I'm going to leave it on Amazon, but I might take it down at my store. It uh, might be confusing. What that is is the original book that I wrote. I wrote it all in one. Oh, I see. And then then I realized I had like so much data in here, half of the books on the cancer industry and half on something completely different. Right, right. So I was having a hell of a time writing, um, like sales copy for it. Like, how do you describe what's in this book? And ultimately I realized it was two books. So I spent that next year dividing it into two. Okay. Yeah. So that's a, that's a two book special edition basically.
0: Yeah. Have you seen, uh, the truth about cancer documentary series?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good one with uh, Is it Ty pretty Blanchard? good?
0: That was yeah, that was like a uh, that was my next question is how it was because I've seen that and I do I I like Ty's stuff, so I was just wondering if all the stuff I've seen in there how that would correlate up against your stuff.
3: Uh to be honest, I think I like his documentary series on vaccines a lot better. Me too. As far as his conclusions about cancer, I mean his that documentary is only as good as the people he interviewed for it. And he had some great people he talked to, but they don't know the things that I've written about in my book. There's, I could take it to like two or three levels higher, basically, than where they've gotten. Explaining it in a podcast episode is another question. I'm going to try my best, but no matter how it comes out, it's all in the book and simply outlined for people to understand. Yeah,
0: yeah. We'll make sure we link to the books as well. So that red light like, therapy stuff. Is that something like everyone should be doing if they're sick or not?
3: Well, anytime you go out in the sun – you're, that's basically red light therapy. Um, well, is, is, it, it, more, is it more though, Is, is so it more? Towards... The sun sucks for like half the year. <laughs> is right? it more now towards... Yeah, the sun. exactly. Is to it... the extent that you're deficient in sunlight, the effects of it will be miraculous for some people. But some people who live in like Texas, when I sell a light and I'm like, where is this person coming from they're living in texas I'm like uh oh, they may or may not get sunlight the potential that is going to be amazing for them is probably a little bit lower than somebody who buys it from like alaska and that's when i get really excited and the good testimonials come in
2: isn't it mimicking more of the sunrise and sunset type of spectrum though or like is that more important for people than than you know the high noon sunlight
3: I've heard people talk about that, how like the early morning the red and shift, yeah. late at night. Yeah, I'm not sure what changes as far as the spectrum of light emitted from the sun in the morning versus at night. But um, basically red light therapy takes the most medicinal wavelengths of light that are emitted from the sun and concentrates it. So the sun will have like a full spectrum of light. So you get every color of the rainbow, like red, yellow, green, blue, purple, orange. And for example, like some of those, wavelengths have different effects than others for example blue light has the opposite effect of red and that has a negative effect on your health which is why like fluorescent lighting isn't very good yeah
0: aren't all these tvs and computer screens and cell phones and shit blue light
3: yeah you got it
0: are my glasses (laughs) protecting me no that's why i wear Uh, the blue that's why i got the blue
2: those blue that's why i was wearing those blue light ones for a while blue light blockers
0: yeah but mine have uv protection
2: no, I think I paid a lot more for these you.
0: than you paid for your little blue blockers. No, no, i no. promise you that.
2: How much did you pay for those? Like I paid four like 450, yeah.
0: Oh, did oh. you? You got scammed.
2: No, they're only like oh, 5 bucks more, 20, 20 bucks more. They were until yeah. I r- 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 drove over them with your truck,
0: actually. <laughs> so, <clears throat> blue light, yeah, it's everywhere. It's terrible. So, can I get like how do I protect myself against this blue light because it's everywhere? Right now I'm looking at like five different things that are shooting blue light at me as we speak. And should I, can I offset that with red light or should I have a suit?
3: I know for computer screens, there is, I'm trying to remember the name of the software, but yeah. I think it's called flux yeah. and you can adjust the red and blue yeah. emitted from it. But probably more important than that is changing like the light bulbs in your setting. So fluorescent lights are the worst. They're almost all blue. Um, LEDs can be either. So you got to get one that has a warmer, kind of a daylight to it that's a good way to do it and uh yeah that'll take care of what about the
0: old like iridescent those are good i think
2: but you know there's still something
0: incandescent (laughs) sorry when i see those i don't even know what iridescent means uh when i see that light that's still something about that and it could just be my programming but it just seems
2: warmer yeah well, it is really because it's hot because they are hot. But yeah, they but I hot.
0: don't mean it from an actual temperature. I just mean it. The light looks more inviting yeah. than the LED one. I, I I get that effect though because when I look in my room and sometimes I forget I've left my lamp on, it does give the same effect as like the like not the sun shining through the window, but maybe like a, an overcast day shining through the window.
3: Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, some LED bulbs are better than others. It's a, I think it's the Kelvin rating. So you'll see on the box it'll be like. 1,000 K, 2,000 K, uh, warm. The one will say like warm daylight. It might be three to five thousand something like that.
0: Is there a better range in those thousands that we should shoot for?
3: Yeah, I wish I could tell you like this is the ultimate Kelvin. The ultimate bulb. (laughs) A good way also is uh, what I use at home for myself, my cat. Um, It's great. It's in addition to the red light devices. um, I like a chicken light so. It'd be like a near-infrared bulb, like a heat lamp, one of those big honking ones, and they're like 250 watts. Those things are very good. They're incredibly relaxing. Hmm. I think in Sweden they use these. Most people from Sweden use those in the winter months.
0: Big halogen-looking things.
2: I meant, I meant to look up a study. Like We should probably get step back a couple steps for for everybody so they catch on to the significance of... Red light as a whole and the studies, because you you reference that there's like fifty thousand studies on red light and there's no side no really uh, side effects that are a problem and it, and it's just lots of lots of great studies on it and I mean I meant to look up a study that Adam Adam keeps uh, sending us stuff on this red light and sound therapy I think or pulsed red light destroying cancer cells there's a, there's been a couple studies lately on that so there's still stuff going on and on and on but maybe you should just reiterate how how much evidence there is out there for this and we're not just talking, you know, out our ass here.
3: Yeah, so to date there are over 50,000 studies on red light therapy and not a single one reporting any negative side effect. And how red light therapy works is basically you shine specific wavelengths of red and near infrared light on the bare skin of the body. And within your cells, there are like tiny organelles called mitochondria where all the energy in your cells is produced. And within that mitochondria, there are enzymes and specifically an enzyme called cytochrome C oxidase. This enzyme absorbs this light and it upregulates energy production. So just like you as a, a whole human being, you need energy to go throughout your day and make things happen. So do cells. And that is a high metabolism. High energy production The a t p is cold? the that's the definition of health yeah yeah a t p huh is yeah, it's the energy currency of the body they say
0: yeah interesting so the the thing that comes to my mind right away is I thought I was reading some articles that disappeared really quick a few months back about curing um oof, what's that cancer they tried that terrible vaccine for uh the one uh the Gardasil oh
2: HPV or HPV. whatever it's not a cancer though weren't it's they
0: just, yeah HPV turns into cancer though doesn't right, it right and now I heard that whatever that cancer was they were curing with light therapy in Mexico hmm. I hadn't heard of that that one. could be but the same one surprised. that
2: could be the same one I was going to try and get uh
0: it get disappeared real quick but it was that same idea as it was non-invasive just through light on the skin
3: Mm, Excellent.
2: And some of this is pretty old. I mean, the the red light stuff that I have, that massager that I have with red light and the infrared dome that we were talking about, those are like 15, probably 15 years old. Good quality products that are still working. So this has been around for, you know, some of this evidence has been around since what, the early 2000s or late 90s? Or I mean, even Um, even further back than that. But I mean, just where it's starting to penetrate our, our culture a little bit.
3: Yeah, I mean, it has definitely skyrocketed, like exponential growth of publishing activity in recent years. Um, but yeah, I mean, lasers were first discovered in early 1960s by a Hungarian scientist, Dr. Andrei Mester. Or sorry, he didn't discover the lasers, but he discovered that they're medicinal. And that was in like 1968. Right. And so since then, the West has begun conducting studies on red light, but in the early 1900s, he had the Russians doing research on red light as well. They did a lot of great work on it, and then of course it dates all the way back to ancient Egyptians. They would use like colored glass to harness specific wavelengths of light. So if you have like a red piece of glass, that will filter out everything but the red wavelengths, and they they realized that and used it for healing purposes. And so I guess the first red light therapy device was the sun. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: Lasers brought it into. Um, I guess you could bring it indoors in that case. It kind of made us a little bit, had to have a little bit greater control and ability to use it on days that weren't sunny. And then LEDs, those really were like an evolutionary leap with this red light therapy because they're so inexpensive. And now you can get devices that are literally one tenth of the price of lasers. And in some cases, they work better.
2: Right. Is that what you – well, actually, before I ask you that, I want to go back to Darren's thing about blue light. So would, it, would you say for, the, for for most people, would it be – because we're around a blue – I mean, I tried to block blue light for a while. I was wearing these blue blockers and trying to – it helped me sleep a little bit. Not that I need help to, to sleep, but I mean, you, you know, you know you in think? here in the studio, we've got fluorescent bulbs at work, and then at home, you've got different types of lighting and the TVs we just hang and the like, computers. We
0: like, what if we just painted that red? No. 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 Oh, the light? You mean like the, it would be the red casing and on the and light? I
2: wouldn't even see, see anything. <laughs> so would 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 it be best to like but, try and block the blue or just use red light therapy every every day, uh, like for twenty minutes or a half hour to offset it?
3: Uh, using red light therapy would compensate for sure. Yeah, I guess probably little the little idea both, might yeah. be to uh, yeah add some more red into that environment. Yeah.
0: Could we paint it red? Does that work? Is that a real thing? Or is this are we talking about some sort of spectrum thing and I'm making it too simple?
3: I think it was a full spectrum bulb, then yeah. But I think fluorescence just it's, it's fluxed, almost all blue. No matter what we're yeah. at, it just block there it. There's something
2: about the frequency that's damaging for from it, isn't it?
3: Yeah, so I guess like the wavelengths are measured in nanometers and uh I'm not I forget which is blue, but I think it's like three or four hundred, somewhere around there red light is 600 to 700 nanometers and then near infrared that is medicinal is like 700 nanometers to around 1200
0: so does this mean that the sun cures cancer because everyone's trying to convince me of the opposite sun causes cancer
3: yeah a lot of people are afraid of it uh, i think as long as you're not getting burnt it's almost pure benefit
0: yeah what about uh, these new tanning beds that uh
2: I'm glad you asked Because I I I'm, I'm hearing I a lot of
0: great you. feedback about, from people that that I know that are tanning in the winter when we have the indirect sunlight up here in Canada. I mean, from mm-hmm. like November till March, the sun is useless to us. And and a lot of these people are having vitamin D deficiencies and their their mood is really enhancing from the, they've got those new like, UVA B beds or whatever like that that aren't supposed to be damaging. And I've been I've been personally thinking about trying one out just as a little experiment to see what happens. But mm-hmm. um, is that the same? Is that a red light that they're giving off in there? Then do you think or do you know anything about those?
3: Yeah, I should did. I did a couple slides in a presentation on uh, tanning beds, and it was really complete. I wish I remembered the data, but uh, I think from my research, I think it would be a lot safer if they added red a few red tube lights within those tanning beds, I'll tell you that. But as far as using the tanning bed itself, um, I just remember concluding that I wouldn't do it. I think, I don't know if it's UVA or UVB that uh, promotes vitamin D production. This is so UVB, yeah. is it the B? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so the one that's in tanning beds it's like almost all UVA that CO. So you, you get almost none and you get none of the protective red light that you get from the sun. So it's like all the damage with little benefit in a sense.
0: So these new beds, are telling me, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm not a tanning guy, but they're saying that these new beds are primarily UVB or UVAB or whatever. That yeah, I
2: think, they're, I think they're on top of that, that part and, and making sure it's not all A.
0: Oh, good. I wonder how that works. I've been thinking about trying one because my take has always been that being an Indian, I just serve, save up my vitamin D in my skin. And that's why I tan so much. That's just my my theory.
2: Your theory, yeah. There you go. So then, so then, along your journey here, you you started actually selling these things, right? Like I didn't know that at first when we decided to uh, to have you on the show, but through reading your books, which were great by the way, and your and your blogs, and listening to you on on the higher side chats, uh, then you decided to uh, get into like starting to help people with these right like making it more of a uh, yeah maybe just explain that a little bit
3: oh uh, yeah i mean basically in my research looking for solutions i guess basically since my mom died i was so traumatized by watching my mom get tortured to death by chemotherapy when i was like 12 years old that uh, it just that affected me for the rest of my life and i've always been searching for a way to kind of heal myself so in a sense it's like a cell preservation thing, I've been trying to figure out what works. So I've tried like dozens of different supplements and vitamins, um, magnetic pulsers, uh, electromagnetic field things like this PEMF two thousand. And then all of a sudden, I've discovered red light therapy, and I gave that a shot. And by far, that worked better than anything I've ever tried. So I was so impressed by it. I'm like, okay, now that's a product I can get behind. This is really going to help people, and this could replace pretty much everything the medical industry can do and without harming people and do a lot better. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to start selling these. So I put up an online store and I've been selling them ever since. What did you do? Like,
2: what did you do to notice? What was the difference that you noticed and how long did you have to do it for to notice anything?
3: Uh, One of the first things I tried, I put it like right on my forehead and basically 12 minutes treatment maybe. I think one of the very first treatments, to be honest, when I actually first tried it, I fell asleep, which is a really good sign. Um, And then when I put it on my forehead, I didn't really notice anything right away. And then I went out and did like groceries or something. And I just noticed like social interaction was better. I was thinking more quickly and effortlessly. So that was one benefit that I noticed that I really liked about it.
2: And then when you decide to start... A store for this did you I thought I heard you say something about designing them differently or cha- or making them more durable or something like that?
3: Yeah, so I'm just in the process of redesigning all of our lights custom. Okay. So I right now have like a small medium and large one, yeah, yeah, and um uh, I want ones that have stands on it, like the medium one currently and the large it's kind of a little bit awkward, it's amazing and it's worth the effort. however, uh, I would rather have a stand for it, so I've been working with the engineers. Saying, uh, figure this out. Let's get this going. <laughs> so it's gonna. I'm gonna have a new set of lights coming out soon. They're gonna be all black, and they'll all have stands as well. Right, right. So maybe we should talk about some of the the
2: things that it, I mean in your book. It lists lists them all, but I mean it's almost almost everything. It's good for based on studies as well. You know, whether it's like hair growth or uh, skin you could use some skin. Hair I know I could use some hair growth, some skin things. I mean. What about chronic uh, diseases and, and chronic issues like um, fibromyalgia-type type symptoms and maybe MS, that type of thing? Anything anything beneficial there?
3: Yeah, so I guess one of the most incredible things of our research is uh, discovering that my name for my website is not out of the realm of possibility. It's truly ending all disease. Once you realize what disease is, you realize it's pretty much – in almost all cases, the exact same thing. And it's the breakdown of efficient energy metabolism within cells. So red light has been proven effective for literally dozens of diseases and conditions. I mean, if you ask, or if you show a doctor that, they wouldn't believe it because they're so like reductionist. They think basically one disease, one treatment, and these are all different and isolated things, you know? When in reality, it's basically the same issue. And red light corrects that at its root and there are a bunch of other ways to correct the metabolism as well.
2: I think it's hard for people to <laughs> to comprehend that. Like for me especially lumping stuff like chronic genetic disorders and and stuff like MS with with like a cancer type disease which I feel like you could heal some diseases but some feel like they're impossible, you know.
3: Mhm. I did a pretty good, uh, a pretty awesome presentation, if I do say so myself, on autoimmune disease. So MS would be included in that. Yeah, yeah. H- highly recommend you check that out. Um, yeah, I go into complete detail there.
2: Yeah, where where can we? Where can people check that out? Uh that would be at disease dot com slash blog. Okay, yeah, I think I read I read one recently that you did. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about as well with the estrogen impact on the autoimmune immune diseases. Is that yeah, the exactly. One? That's the one. Oh, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying
3: to dig up in my mind. That gets uh, rid of estrogen. The
2: no, the estrogen is caused is uh, overload. And estrogen is yeah, causing there's a, a huge lot of estrogen disease. problem. I mean, and and that's probably why the autoimmune diseases seem to affect women way more. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the women with the fibromyalgia and these things that uh,
0: pretty sexist but are okay. happening.
3: Not at all um, <laughs> no yeah, you got it though it's like a 10 to one ratio of women to men that have autoimmune disease so that's oh, pretty wow. good piece that... of evidence yeah. that uh, there's a hormonal issue happening there there's
0: hundred yeah. percent a hormonal thing going on uh, is that so do you think that that because that fucking estrogen's in everything it's in the plastic and everything's in plastic
3: exactly yeah like the bisphenol A's and um, any any environmental chemical. Has an estrogenic effect as well. So, all those increase the burden of estrogen. And a huge estrogenic factor as well is are the unsaturated fats in the diet. So, these would be any oils that are liquid at room temperature uh, corn oil, soy oil, things like that. What about olive oil? If it's real olive oil, it's about 11% unsaturated fat. So, it's like a monounsaturated, just right in the middle. Um, it's safer. It's one of the better ones for sure. But you wouldn't want to eat more than a couple tablespoons of it a day, I don't think. What about avocado? That's unfortunately more on the unsaturated side. The best oils, if you ask me, are the butters, coconut oils, chocolate fat, beef and lamb fat. These are all saturated. And if you want to understand fats, basically replace the word saturated in saturated or unsaturated with safe. Safe or unsafe. So the unsaturated are really Highly mm-hmm. reactive, basically.
2: That's a good Butter's way to put it. Best. Yeah,
0: that's a good way to put it. But that's now that backfires if you have a lot of sugar in your diet, though, doesn't it?
3: is another issue. When you when we talk sugar's about nutrition, I am like almost completely backwards of what your average person thinks. So for me, I don't think sugar's the villain that it's been cut out to be at all.
2: Well, it depends on what kind of sugar you're talking about, doesn't it? Like what about refined sugar versus natural fruit sugar?
3: Uh yeah. So I would agree with you that the fruit sugar is better because fruit comes with like a lot of alkaline minerals, your potassium and magnesium. However, if you're having a difficult time digesting fruit, then pure white sugar is a really can be a medicinal way of getting your carbohydrates.
2: What about corn, high fructose corn syrup? If you throw that in the mix, that's in everything now, too.
3: Yeah, yeah. I hear that spiked with like mercury and all kinds of things. However, fructose, if not derived from genetically modified petrochemically soaked <laughs> corn and soy, can actually be really medicinal as well. So fructose in and of itself has been uh, maligned.
2: Okay, so, so what you're saying is sugar in itself, like fructose is not that bad, but it's the way that now they've GMO'd this stuff, like the high fructose corn syrup and, and everything is, is the, the main reason why it's... There's got to be
0: something with that sugar. Because, I mean, I notice now that if I pile into the sugary treats before bed, I'm going up wake up feeling like I drank some fucking Jack Daniels or something. Like I can actually feel the back of my neck is tensed up. Or do you think that's something else in the sugary treats?
3: Um, yeah, it might be additives. Uh, generally, when you sleep, because you're basically fasting, that's another issue. Uh, people think fasting's good for you. I think it's no different than starvation. So essentially, the most stressful time of day is in the morning after a sleep. So to wake up tense is not too much of a surprise because when you're sleeping, your body will run out of sugar and it'll have to switch on stress hormones and start burning fat in place of that glucose.
0: Don't text before breakfast.
3: <laughs> there oh, go. man,
2: there's so many questions. So. <laughs> before, I, before I forget this one, what about Mazzola oil? Is that, a, is that one of the unsaturated fats?
3: Yeah, apparently Tommy Mazzola died of a heart attack, by the way, interestingly. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's one of the unsaturated for sure. Okay, that's what I thought.
0: Hmm. So if sugar isn't – I'm having trouble thinking sugar is not a terrible problem.
3: Yeah, I mean the the crazy thing or the thing that surprises me most is that there's not more scientists out there saying how insane it is that sugar – Is being called poison. Because when you study cellular metabolism, uh, the basis for a healthy functioning cell is that it oxidizes glucose within the mitochondria. So glucose is essential for every cell. Just think like um, somebody with hypoglycemia or diabetes. Mm -hmm. When they run low on sugar, like they have to get sugar fast or they'll die, you know. That just goes to show you how important it is.
0: But isn't some of that... A consequence of having too much sugar in their diet already and people are be able to actually push themselves into type two diabetes.
3: Um, I actually did another presentation on diabetes recently that'll answer that and you'll be you'll be interested in it if you're interested in diabetes. That's also on my blog. Oh yeah, that was um, on the blog. Yeah, I didn't make it to that
0: one. Well, I'm not super so, interested in diabetes to be honest. I'm just more interested in sugar, not be I mean, I I'm all over sugar being good for me. I'd love that because I love yeah, sugar. So-
3: I guess in the 1800s, fructose was used medicinally for diabetics. So basically, in in a diabetic, it's somebody who can't metabolize glucose. And um, they blame it. I'm trying to to remember this data. But basically, the problem is that there are unsaturated fats in the diet, and they inhibit the use of glucose. It's kind of like this competition between fats and sugars. So when you get too much fats, and this happens from stress, in your bloodstream it switches off the use of glucose and so that's why they are so-called insulin resistant it appears they're not using the sugar not because there's a problem with their insulin it's because there's too much stress and too much fatty acids as a result of that stress switching off proper glucose oxidation so the answer is to eat less of these fats and inhibit the release of the fats from your tissues and you can completely reverse diabetes pretty quickly with that strategy. Oka. isn't that what you were trying well, to get no, at with no, the well, butter and the sugar thing is,
0: i don't think it's natural i mean i think it's something like the average north american has eating like two cups of sugar a day and i can't see a place where that's not causing a problem
2: right right so maybe maybe it's a different question then it's not whether sugar's bad or not it's the it's the, it's over the over consumption amount of it, of it because i
0: don't it. see an instance where primitive man was getting nearly that much sugar i mean that's probably a year's worth of sugar and we've compounded that into one day
3: yeah, fair enough. What's your take on carbohydrates then, Dara, in general?
0: Uh I don't know. They're delicious. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: I don't know. I don't I don't have a I don't I don't have a diet. I mean I just eat I try not to eat gluten, you, yeah, but, but I will. I mean I had a burger last night with a bun, but I just try and stay away from it. So I'll try and make that like especially bread maybe once or twice a month.
2: Well, and I'm trying to stay off bread, wheat, and and sugar, actually. Like, not necessarily I'm all sugar, but sugar. I'm, I'm a, off I'm of a...
0: treats and sweets and all that. Sugar is and... my nemesis. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm eating bowls of sorbet, and if there's candy in the house, it's fucking done. Luckily, Halloween has <laughs> passed and Christmas has passed, so we're through all that. But sugar is a big weakness to me. Like, I can feel that addiction. If those fucking Oreos are in the cupboard, and I know they're there... That's why I don't. I'm keep constantly anything. trying to That's convince I them. I got name. a couple kids, though. So yeah. like, there's always something in the house. And then I'll just go there and I just can't stop eating these fucking Oreos. Gluten free Oreos, by the way. But, <laughs> and they <laughs> yeah, actually hurt my teeth. I'll notice it hurts my teeth after like 10.
3: There's a pretty cool study that might, I don't know, food for thought, I guess. Um, from 1999 to 2011, there was like a study on children. And they found that like their overall calories have been reduced. And despite that, their obesity went up, their diabetes went up. So I'm kind of coming to the conclusion lately that all these like restrictive diets that people are on trying to avoid stuff. As soon as you take out even one food of all the plethora of food you can eat, you're making it extremely hard to get enough calories. Um, I've been researching Matt Stone's work. Um, He's like a he's well-researched on the metabolism. Um, wrote a number of books on it and he says that calories are the number one thing. So I've been putting that to the test lately and I've never felt better.
2: Number one thing in what way that you need to, you need more than you think.
3: Yeah. Like basically stop focusing so much on the, um, what's in it and all that. Just get the amount of calories in there. So when we talk about calories, basically ignore the vitamins and minerals that everyone talks about, just eat enough of protein, fat, and carbohydrates, these are the things to focus on. When you eat enough of those from like a wide range of foods, you'll get all the minerals and vitamins you need, basically.
2: Jesus, like the going the opposite, like trying to. Yeah, it's watch. like all these like
3: it's like eating disorders going on everywhere. This whole culture basically promotes it.
2: Oh yeah, because everything's so freaking addicting. I mean, the bread, the wheat, the carbs, yeah, the because, sugars. Yeah, well, because I mean, I there's got
0: to be a bunch of fine lines in there because I can't just be crushing Big Macs for every meal every day, or I'm gonna have problems, no. What's that like a Probably, thousand yeah. calories?
3: But I think potentially you could make that Big Mac a lot cleaner. Take out the mayo, so there's no poofa or all oh. the unsaturated fats. And uh, a milkshake is pretty safe as well. But I mean, yeah, they add a lot of shit in there that shouldn't be in there. The
2: well, mayo should definitely stay. I mean, is the gotta stay. It's <laughs> well, so mayo's what? Okay, so have uh,
0: unrefined oil or refined oil in it? Probably canola. The mayo. The fries, will, for sure,
3: and the mayo. The, yeah, mayo's the mayo is usually
0: made with vegetable oil or some shit. You put that and weird little get... thing in there. It's like an emulsifier or something like that. It's so cool, and that oil just gets <laughs> all thick. It's crazy.
2: So, have you thought about uh, what about keto and, and fasting? Then you've experimented with all these Ram didn't diets eat for a and week, stuff like that,
0: a whole week. Felt, he I just thought, drank
2: water. I felt great. It felt really Really felt good after that yeah. week? Yeah. Well, before, during it. I mean, even at the end of it, it was fantastic. It was,
3: Here's an explanation yeah. as to why I think you felt so good. And I could be wrong. I could always be wrong. But um, when your body runs low on glucose, it's important to understand the stress response. So there's a scientist, Hans Selye. He really broke this one out of the box. Basically, when you run low on glucose, your body releases stress hormones cortisol and adrenaline those are the two main players the cortisol activates the breakdown of your muscle tissue so that and then it sends the amino acids to your liver to produce sugar so even if you don't eat sugar your body's going to make it and it's going to come at the cost of your own body tissue the adrenaline breaks down your fat so that's what's happening when you're on a fast and so it's this catabolic situation catalyzed by stress so stress hormones if you ask anyone who's jumped out of an airplane, they feel amazing, so I think that might be the reason why you feel good on a fast,
2: oh maybe yeah, yeah, it does feel like that kind of high, actually, yeah, interesting, but I mean, what about all the studies that fasting is so good I mean fasting for even for cancer cancer healing there's uh there's a couple of scientists and the doctors writing those books about the fasting protocols and
3: Yeah, this whole culture is like a starvation fetish. I think there are benefits. It's because we're eating
2: three meals a day that we probably don't need to be eating, no? Uh, No,
0: no, I
3: think think three meals is pretty good. I mean. Yeah, it's,
2: yeah. I don't do three meals. It's interesting. Oh, yeah, you skip breakfast. Well, I
0: know I do like a protein shake and a banana for breakfast. Yeah. Then a light lunch and a. Late like dinner really I I I kind of leave myself on a constant I, I find that I'm more efficient when I'm a little hungry not starving but a little hungry after I eat I lose my mojo
2: yeah it's interesting to hear the other other perspective on mm-hmm. this
0: and, yeah have you looked into much of John Brisson's gut work on mitochondria and
3: stuff like that John Brisson no I haven't heard of him
0: that'd probably be a name to look up he wrote uh, what was the book How to
3: Heal Your Gut How to Heal, heal Your
0: Gut um,
3: oh, okay. I've heard those words before. Yeah. I don't know if it was referred to that book, but probably.
0: Uh, I don't know about that. There's, there's so many gut health books out these days, yeah, but John man. seems pretty switched on. Uh, he's helped me out with some stuff in my personal life I was pretty surprised with. Um. Yeah, he'd probably be a guy to check out some of that stuff.
2: Have you thought about writing another book about this kind of stuff, like uh, diet and and? more of just a general well-being book like that
3: yeah i have like in my cancer books i build it up so that there is going to be a third book in the series and i'm kind of like trying to figure out what that's going to be in my mind i know it has to involve diet but like should that be it and what would i name it i think i want to name a book the end of all disease um and it would involve all my dietary concepts and things but yeah i'm not i'm definitely plan on writing at least one more on that subject but i don't know when
0: yeah. Uh, have you heard anything about the autoimmune diseases being able to be treated with psychedelics, especially things uh, that specifically involve cortisol and adrenaline?
3: Uh, you mean like psychedelics that ayahuasca
0: specifically has de- oh, okay. has reversed uh, autoimmune diseases?
3: Uh, no, I haven't.
0: I think the take okay. is that any, any autoimmune disease that can be treated with an injection of cortisol or adrenaline, uh, I think it's Dr. Gaber Mate now, that's, he's like reverse engineering that to that anything that could be treated with an application of the stress hormone was probably caused by a traumatic incident. That it it's more psychosomatic. Then. Psychosomatic. So the yeah.
2: psychedelic. Oh, right so the psychedelic doesn't really physically change. No, that. Just it just helps it, you reprogram it helps your you mind. Repro- wow, yeah.
3: that's fantastic. That sounds like uh, there's this Dr. Reich Gerd Hamer. He founded something called German New Medicine. I don't know if you heard of that. Have you guys? No, no. So so basically, he does some kind of brain scan, and he looks, and he can like pinpoint. Basically, you can tell him uh, what kind of what your history's been, and he can pinpoint where that's gonna be in the body where that wow. emotional trauma kind of thing and he's had some good success. This guy is outspoken about chemotherapy as well and one of the greatest quotes I've ever heard actually, I might as well say it right now he's like, to sell chemotherapy as a therapy is most likely the biggest deceit in the history of medicine. Whoever masterminded this chemo torture deserves a monument in hell. Fuck. <laughs> Just like Dr. Me. Hamer. Just so like, how do you spell uh,
0: that
2: last name? Dr. Hamer, did you say?
3: Yeah, H A M E R. Okay.
2: Put that in the show notes. Yeah. <clears throat> we should probably get into the cancer a little bit. I mean, I still have, have lots of questions about it, but um it was interesting reading your book and they talk about the x-rays and the foot <laughs> measuring and how how um oh you know what I wanted to mention before we get into that about about the uh the estrogen and the autoimmune. It's annoying to me that, uh, with all this evidence that you cited in your book about the, or in your blog about estrogen and, and autoimmune stuff, this impossible mm-hmm. burger thing comes out. Did you, did you hear about that? There was a big, uh, hoopla about this impossible burger and how it, uh, it's full of estrogen like 10 times or how many times more than an average, uh, an average burger. And then they, you know, it all had to be uh, blown out of proportion because uh, they were making fun of it. Uh, this guy saying that it's going to make men grow tits or whatever, you know, out of all <laughs> the evidence. And the, and it was some, I think it was a religious scientist or something from the, you know, the right wing. They made it all political that, oh, this guy, uh, you know, of course he's going to say that. And he comes out saying it, it's just going to. So they come, they kind com- of completely. Make it all about disinformation, you know, that really, instead of avoiding really what estrogen could cause a problem with and all the evidence that's really out there, they just make it about, you know, oh, he's, it, he, you know, he was quickly debunked that it's not going to, you know, grow men's tits bigger, you know?
3: Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, the, the whole culture's got estrogen wrong, too, by the way. It's not the female hormone. It's involved in stress, which kind of explains the whole PMS thing yeah
2: that's interesting
3: but yeah basically i think it's it's basically the estrogen replacement industry it's so profitable that they pretend estrogen is something that's necessary in women and in reality it's a stress hormone so like we know that from there's a women's health initiative study in the 90s i was gonna ask you about that one yeah yeah so basically gave women supplemental estrogen and it told us all we need to know about estrogen's role in the body basically and they for the the trial was forced to stop early because the participants who were getting the estrogen developed like cardiovascular disease stroke dementia and cancer
2: i don't even know what to say with a lot of this stuff when you get into the these these studies and how how obscured it is now! All we hear is something else from the mainstream and from the medical community and you know, big pharma. It's just—it's like a constant deception.
3: I hear you. Things like coffee—they're always back and forth on the radio with studies oh. coming out. Yeah,
2: yeah, or water, or eggs, or bacon. You know, I mean, it's—you it, don't know what to believe anymore for diet or for.
0: Well, I think it's probably a whole lot more complicated than that, too. Like, I don't think you can take a diet and apply it to an entire planet of people or even an entire country of people. Yeah. You know, my my I've got a couple thousand generations behind me that were eating a different way than the thousand generations behind you. And that has to play a role. I mean, I think you notice some of that through, you know, immigration and stuff like that. The American diet is not so great for some people that come here and they have different side effects from it. Yeah. The example I like to use is if you took someone from some place and took them up to uh the Arctic and fed them nothing but seal blubber for a couple of months, I wonder what would happen. Yeah. Have you noticed anything like that like uh genetic markers for diet? Is there different should should different people from different parts of the world uh historically or you-
2: Well, I I heard something that Ben Greenfield was talking about where the people from i think from the north the northern environments when your ancestor is from there that you handle carbs way different in your in your stomach like carbs aren't going to rip apart your stomach like some
0: other i mean alcohol is a good example too right when the uh, when alcohol came over my people didn't just do so great with that so i'm wondering if you've in all your experience with health and diet and everything else have you noticed anything for different uh you know is it a one size fits all
3: I don't think there's any utopian diet for everyone. Um, The key kind of research you want to look into for this kind of thing would be uh, anthropology. So polar explorer, Bill Stephenson, he went and investigated uh, people living in the Arctic in Canada here, uh, Northwest Territories. And he found that they ate almost, obviously they ate almost no carbs because there wasn't any, you know, there's just snow everywhere. and so they survived, and a lot of people say, "Okay, so I mean that must mean that's the ideal diet, you know, we don't need carbs." But uh, it doesn't mean it is ideal. And when you actually look at his work, he talks about how like their skin aged pretty rapidly. So that they survived on it, but I don't think that was the ideal diet. Uh, but it seems to be that anytime indigenous or native people switch to uh, these, these like refined diets, uh, Western diets that they all, their health seems to go down the tubes regardless, so. <laughs> exactly.
2: So let's get into the cancer thing a little bit. I mean, I I had, so my my mom had uh, breast cancer in the early 90s, I think. So she was probably my age, 40, 48, something like that, 49. And she had it removed and it came back about 25 years later and she had it removed again and everything seems fine. that was just a couple of years ago. My dad had IBS. Well, they, my dad had problems with his stomach for a couple of years. They didn't know what it was. They just called it IBS.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, he, was, he had this blockage in his intestine, I guess. So they took it out. And when they went in there to take it out, they found a bunch of shit in there that they'd never seen before. They didn't know what it was. So they biopsied it, and it was a rare cancer, carcinoid cancer. And then we—he went on a—you know—he I think he had two stomach operations, and then they realized he had this another rare cancer in his brain, and he had an operation in his brain. So after a two to three year battle, Whoa. a battle with this weird rare stomach cancer and a colonoscopy, or a uh, sorry, a, a uh, um, what do you call it when they remove part of your intestines and you have a, uh, anyways he had that that operation and then he passed away after like a long, you know, couple year battle with both these cancers. So um yeah, so I've been through all this too and we tried we were trying some things. He was pretty open. Actually, we went to a, a Korean healer and my dad came out of uh palliative care for 6 months and that was fantastic. Like it was you know a little bit uh new agey, but this Korean healer he wanted us to meditate all the time and It was pretty interesting journey in that respect. But um, do you have any, any, anything to say? Like, I know your mom, uh, the same thing happened to your mom. Um, And after reading your book and realizing all the doctors and all the, there's a whole other side to this where people are warning about uh, operations and warning about uh, um, diagnosis Mm-hmm. You want to? You want to share the most important parts that are related to that?
3: As far as like cancer treatments go, or?
2: well, I, I maybe not treatments as much as just the overall how we have our our image of cancer is also wrong and skewed. Maybe I mean, what do you think is most important to talk about the cancer That's, conspiracy?
3: I've been waiting for someone to ask me that question actually, because there's someone so many things that people don't know are in here. That, exactly, yeah, that exactly. Would be that question,
0: yeah. Could spot, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh,
3: that's a good question. Um, let me think about this. I would say because
2: it was yeah, so like, there there's a lot of shocking things to me in there. I, I mean, I've you know, I, I've known about a lot of that, a lot of those topics, but some of the things in your book were pretty shocking with other you know, what other people have said, what other doctors have said, and and the health industry as a whole just you know, not being very healthy.
3: Yeah, I mean, so I, I, I've talked to many people about the cancer industry. Like I used to work as a limousine driver. So I'd have people that haven't had a few drinks, maybe sometimes few too many, but they kind of open up. So they ask me about my life. I tell them about, I was writing a book at the time. I was writing these books at the time. Yeah. And so we just kind of talk about cancer and they would say like, yeah, I lost someone to cancer. And then, It would always come up how, like, you know, maybe the industry is suppressing something better. And, like, across the board, everybody I've talked to has said, you know, there's probably something better. And they were open-minded and probably thought it was likely that the industry was holding back on us and there was something better for us. And so one, one really important thing that people need to know that they most don't is that there was an official investigation into the cancer industry in the early 1950s. So U.S. Senator Charles Toby actually launched an official investigation into the cancer establishment. Wow. He appointed an investigator named Benedict Fitzgerald of okay. the U.S. Interstate Commerce Commission. And so he did his investigation, and he put the findings in what was called the Fitzgerald Report, and then he presented it to the U.S. Senate in 1953. And it's interesting to know before I tell you some of the conclusions, I got a nice little quote here but. The Senate took no action on the inquest, and it was never made public. Okay. So there was a, a doctor who, like, rescued this to the Freedom of Information Act, Dr. Stan Monteith. He unlocked this story uh, in, like, the early 2000s. So now we have it. We have the Fitzgerald Report, and here is one of his main conclusions. My investigation to date should convince this committee that a conspiracy does exist to stop the free flow and use of drugs in interstate commerce, which allegedly has solid therapeutic value. Public and private funds have been thrown around like confetti at a country fair to close up and destroy clinics, hospitals, and scientific research laboratories, which do not conform to the viewpoint of medical associations. There is reason to believe that the American Medical Association has been hasty, capricious, arbitrary and outright dishonest and an interstate conspiracy of alarming proportions behind and over all this is the weirdest conglomeration of corrupt motives intrigue selfishness jealousy obstruction and conspiracy that i've ever seen
2: what a quote that's fantastic <laughs> scary but- quote of the week yeah <clears throat> And that was back in the fifties, so I mean imagine how much worse it's gotten since then. I mean it's not that type of thing doesn't get better over time,
3: yeah, exactly. Pretty much any doctor working in alternative using alternative treatments to treat people is getting threatened and you know all kinds of problems just from doing that,
2: yeah, and we've heard about you know rife and and a lot of these alternative uh types of cures as well, whether it's uh Sound or vibrations, or you know, that and the, and it gets you know suppressed or they get killed. I mean, there's all kinds of stories about that. And so you've got in your website here, you've got 25 shocking quotes about cancer too, as well. If people want to check that out, they can go to EndAllDisease.com, and you've got a, in your blog section, you've got that in there as well, which is awesome.
3: Yeah, you got it. I guess uh, if if I could, um, one more of probably the most important thing that I really want people to know. Through all my research. We got time for that? You got you got
0: as much time as you need, buddy, until they kick you out of that little booth.
3: (laughs) Okay, cool. All right, so back. (laughs) One of the biggest myths about cancer that cancer the industry and governments worldwide are, are completely committed to. They cannot back out on this, so the industry is done. Is this idea that cancer cells are some kind of like monster like mutated genetic Frankenstein-type cells that have the intention of killing the person. No scientific evidence has ever suggested that. It, it has nothing to do with science or common sense. We know what a cancer cell is, and it has nothing to do with some kind of murderous cell. Um, so the first study I found looking at what a cancer, what a tumor is, was back in the 1860s. So, Dr. Rudolf Virchow, he was a physician and many other things. He saw a lot of cancer patients with tumors, and after a lifetime of work, one of his conclusions he published in a study was his hypothesis, which was that cancer tumors form so commonly at sites of chronic injury that his hypothesis was that it's a prerequisite for tumor formation. So, like if you get an injury and it just doesn't heal over time, one of those chronic unhealing wounds. That is a prime site where a tumor may form. And if you fast forward to 1930s, Dr. Otto Heinrich Warburg, the only person to ever win the Nobel Prize twice, he looked at like the individual cells within a tumor. And so, so Virchow found that the tumor itself was basically no different than an injury. Warburg looked at the individual cells comprising a tumor, and he found that it was basically a cell with damaged mitochondria. So because it can't produce energy through that highly efficient way, it was forced to um, use sugar differently. Basically it ferments it. So essentially the same findings there among those two doctors were that cancer is an injury, that the body is having a difficult time healing. So it's not a monster, it is an injury. And if you think about the fact that doctors are trained to treat injuries with treatments that cause injuries. That's the sum of their medical intelligence right there.
2: Yeah. And, and the the shocking part in the book for me was how a lot of these people were saying that operating makes it worse. Like there's studies that show that uh, people can live longer if they just leave it alone. So, I mean, I, 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 struggle with that one because my mom on one hand, like, you know, made it 25 years before it came back and then it's fixed again, apparently but my dad, you know, when they first operated and found it all, that's when really the the slide downhill started. You know, but it's hard to know if the the brain, the rare brain cancer, was linked to the rare gut cancer, and whether that was even linked to the uh, surgery that he had on his intestine. You know, from years of IBS. So, I, you know, is it? It just seems like people go in, they get diagnosed, and the next thing you know, it's it's worse. Like how? What I don't understand is half the time people don't have any symptoms and then they're being told they have cancer.
0: Well, it makes you wonder because i got a lot of time for placebos and nocebos and stuff like that, so that seems to be one aspect of it. there does seem to be a lot more cancer around these days than there was before, and it seems to be getting worse. I could be ignorant on that, but that's the way it seems to me. And uh, I can't help but wonder if that's... I mean, A, you've got the stress factor, you've got the terrible diet and the fake food factor... You've got a bunch of more stress than we used to have. You've got all these fucking shots that they're jacking everybody up with at birth that's doing who knows what. You know, on the nefarious end, they're shooting you full of all these uh, heavy metals and everything. And on on the non-nefarious end, there might have been a fucking plus to getting some of these diseases that we don't know about. I mean, we've earned the right to live here in a lot of ways. Um,
2: well, that's what they're saying now is that that... Getting those sometimes protect you from from cancers and stuff like that, right? Legitimately yeah, getting like a disease it's, not through a vaccine. Yeah, like but,
0: what was the main the main one was measles. Yeah, getting measles looks like it uh, ends up being a putting up a fight, or it helps you get your antibodies ready to defeat a bunch of different cancers. What's your? Because I know you made some comments in the beginning, so I know you're not a huge vaccine guy. So what's your thought on that? <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think if you're going to bubble wrap someone and put them in a sterile environment their entire lives, which is what this culture tries to do, basically, um, they're not going to build up as robust of an immune system as somebody who lives on a farm or something and is exposed to these things. So, yeah, I think you're probably right about that.
0: And we've also, like, sterilized our shit in a lot of ways too you know what I mean like everything's just a lot more sterile and clean than it used to be I can't remember who I was listening to on THC or one of those shows but they were talking about like even this hospital it's like life's always trying to find a way so when you take this totally sterile environment it just makes it like a the diseases start trying harder in that space because we've made this space void of life and that's not what the earth was meant to be that's
2: why kids are eating dirt and stuff to fucking boost their immune system
0: yeah Mm -hmm. Any final thoughts?
3: Final thoughts? Um, well, I guess we so got really, like twelve uh, minutes left
0: before you lose.
3: Your
2: well, mind. I mean, there is the car. There's also a couple other things I'd like to talk about. I mean, the, the car. You also talk about. You know, your book is chock full of different studies and things that people don't really hear about. Like I was saying about the, you know, like operating. Operating can make it worse, that kind of thing. Also carbogen, you talk about carbogen being demonized and carbon dioxide. Do you want to mention that? I think that's important right now.
3: Yeah, that's one of my favorite lines of research, carbon dioxide. I mean, we're told it's like this waste gas and it's toxic. When in reality, it's more important than oxygen. There are like single-celled organisms like bacteria that can survive in the absence of oxygen, but they can't survive without CO2. Um, So... That's one thing people need to know about. Um, There have been studies. Actually, I guess what I would say is one of the things that's been known that Warburg discovered is that cancer cells release lactic acid. So it acidifies the body. A lot of people understand that. And um, so if you think about what happens when you put baking soda on vinegar, remember that little test you do when you're a kid? Uh When you put baking soda on vinegar, it like fizzes up. That fizz is producing CO2 gas. So carbon dioxide, the gas, is just another form of sodium bicarbonate, like the, the baking soda, bicarbonate itself. Um, so with that in mind, maybe sodium bicarbonate is a good way to neutralize this lactic acid being produced by tumors. And it turns out it is. There was a study by Japanese researchers in 2012, and they actually injected CO2 directly into tumors and mice. And uh, basically... It significantly reduced the tumor volume. It uh, multiplied the number of mitochondria in the cells, enriched the cytochrome C oxidase activity, fixed the metabolism, and healed the tumors. Um, There have been, there's like an Italian doctor named Julio Simoncini, and he injects sodium bicarbonate mixtures directly into tumors. And there's a lot of great testimonials out there of him healing people as well, which the cancer industry hates (laughs) because like a a pound of baking soda at your grocery store is like, what, a dollar? (laughs) So that's another very interesting way. CO2, basically, from my research, is the quickest way to reverse cancer and almost all diseases. How, how you,
2: Are you getting – have you been attacked? So how do you get that into you?
3: Uh, well, two of the ways I just mentioned, uh, but there are a couple more practical ones that yeah, people like would love to hear practical,
0: about. Practical, yeah. Without having to, without inject, to it. inject myself, That's like I'm yeah, super yeah, crazy exactly.
3: about that. Needles fucking suck. Um, so, yeah, it has been shown in studies that if you mix some in drinking water and consume it orally, it can effectively raise the pH of tumors. So anybody with a tumor, all you got to do is mix some in water. And if uh, this study is true, then that will happen in you as well. So you can raise the pH of tumors that way. Straight baking so soda? So same mix same straight baking like- soda
0: oh, no. and water? I'm confusing baking soda with... Sodium bicarbonate or what? Hopefully, the same. Not yogurt, like, right? Well, I'm thinking like... Um, would it be the same then as uh, charcoal?
3: Oh, like activated charcoal? Yeah. No, I don't know why those
0: two things are lining up in my mind, but is charcoal also a form of CO2 like coal?
3: Um, I'm not sure if there's any kind of relation like that, but activated charcoal is a good way to clean out, clean out the gut. Yeah, you can and get that rid of, like, poisons and shit too. with
0: it, right? It
2: sucks, doesn't yeah, do exactly. it? Yeah, exactly. It binds yeah. all the
3: yeah. toxins. Yeah. yeah, there's been studies on rats where, like, they fed – they took two groups of rats. One – or they both got the regular mouse chow. But then the one group got the human equivalent dose of, like, a cup of activated charcoal. And those ones live longer, and they had greater resistance to disease. So basically, had sterile guts their entire lives. Hmm.
2: So let's get back to the uh, practical way of absorbing sodium bicarbonate.
0: John's is, book is called "Fix Your Gut," by the fix way, your not gut "Heal Your right, Gut." Right, right. Sodium uh, bicarbonate—you yeah, so. need that to make slime. I know that.
3: <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, I guess another way you can absorb CO two is a very simple and practical way too. Is a bath bomb. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. Yeah, it's basically a combination of like citric acid and bicarbonate and then when you put it in the water they dissolve and mix and then it bubbles up and infuses the water with carbon dioxide and so that's been studied quite a bit as well surprisingly and it does show increased co2 in the serum after taking a bath with that
2: so put it in the water take a bath those are the two probably the easiest ways I'd say
3: yeah, and I, I'm not. I would love to measure, and I'm going to at some point using a catenometer, But I want to know if just baking soda itself will increase the CO2, and I'm pretty sure it will. Well, I we know for in sure the, now the bath bombs will.
0: It fell in the chats It says he takes bicarbonate of soda for inflammation, and it works great.
2: So how do where do you get that from? Bicarbonate of soda.
0: I think that's just yeah, fancy baking thing. soda, isn't, isn't it? it? Sodium bicarbonate. Oh, is that what they call it in the
2: states? That's probably what they call it in the states.
0: Who knows? You guys got backwards names for stuff done. I spell on things wrong. But maybe I should be eating more bacon soda. Maybe.
3: It's pretty nasty though. It's terrible. <laughs> I hate it. There's uh, this one guy has like this molasses and baking soda protocol, Vernon Johnson. Basically he took like 10 days worth of this stuff. He ate like a number of tablespoons of molasses and baking soda mixed. And he had advanced prostate cancer. The doc said he was going to die in, like, a matter of weeks. And he went back 10 days later of eating this stuff, and it was completely gone. So, yeah, that that tells you.
0: I love those stories. There was something about vinegar. You know what? I was thinking the other day about vinegar, right? Because I've got a humidifier in my house, so I'm always running fucking water through this humidifier. And the thing fucking stops working once a week, and i got to soak it in vinegar because the water is so So fucking hard 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 here. It gets filled up with that calcium. And I'm thinking should I be drinking vinegar because I'm drinking this water like a motherfucker. And is it all, does that same buildup happening inside me?
3: Oh, I think actually, even though it is acidic, so you're talking like acetic acid here when you're talking vinegar and I'm pretty sure, although it is acidic, it actually helps to alkalize the system interestingly enough. So I don't think that's a problem.
0: Huh. What's your take on hard water and stuff like that? Have you looked into that at all? Like what is that shit doing to me? Because it just leaves that film every place. If you don't do my humidifier, it'll stop working in a month because it's gunked up with this with this calcium deposits.
3: That reminds me of my water, my condo too. I just had to soak my shower head in vinegar for a whole (laughs) break. So
0: what the fuck is that doing inside my body? Yeah. I guess my pee hole hasn't bunged up yet. (laughs) that's a good thing.
2: Well, I mean, at least they took the fluoride out of it That's in Calgary. Right. I mean, there's a test that they came up with, a study that fluoride is, is affects your intelligence.
0: Yeah, somebody's getting shot no. for that.
2: Yeah, no, it just to come out a new study. It's going to huh. piss everybody off that wants to bring the fluoride back in the Calgary water system. Just Do you have fluoride, fluoride in your water over there?
3: there. Um, no, they actually took it out here. There was uh, Fantastic. a lot of people stood up and, uh, it was Good. a really close vote, but they won <laughs> as a number of years ago.
2: Wow. So you, I mean, there's not a lot of cities that have done that. I think Calgary and you guys are, uh, two of the
0: rare ones. What city are you in again? Burlington is it? Or? Burlington.
3: Uh, no, Kitchener. Kitchener. Kitchener.
0: Yeah. Really? I used yeah. to, I used to live in Guelph. Spend a, a lot, lot of right time up. in Kitchener because it's right there. I used to go down to Loose Change, Louis between the oh, university. Yo, here we go. He <laughs> knows the Loose Change, those the Louis. Days. <laughs> well, those were the days. <laughs> Loose Change, Louis. That would, have been, that would have been around 2000, Yeah, about 20 years ago. Those were Good the days. Guys, yep. If Good I nice. ever make it down there again, I'll look you up. I don't see it happening.
2: But if you ever come to Calgary, look us up for sure. Come in the studio here.
3: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, I'm yeah. actually heading out bacon east.
2: Soda. Where are you going?
3: I'm heading out east. I'm just packing all my shit up. to oh. buy some land because it's like one tenth of the price. Oh, are I'm you really? Build, well, good for house. you,
2: man. That's fantastic. Where are you going? Like New, like East East, like Newfoundland or just New
3: Brunswick or? Oh uh, yeah, the New Brunswick Nova Scotia area. Yeah, good for you. We've got like a hundred acres for like fifty grand. It's like it's unreal.
0: Really? We're looking
3: for yeah, a th-
0: place for a studio and a commune. We're <laughs> trying to quit life.
3: <laughs> There you go. Maybe we got to head gotta east. Build off the red Yeah, good for you. You're Let gonna, us you us know if
0: you gonna... need podcasts. Yeah, that's great. I can carry stuff. I can build stuff. <laughs> I'm a builder by trade. <laughs> and Graham's funny. <clears throat> great sense of humor.
3: Sounds good.
2: Well, thanks for coming on the show, Mark. It's been great, and your books are awesome. I recommend them to everybody.
0: That's right. Are you buying the red light thing then?
2: I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna buy the red, the red light, light, light? off. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'll
3: give you guys a family discount. Sweet, um, sweet. Talk about it on email.
0: Yeah we'll, right. yeah, we'll talk Sounds about good. it off, off. What's the website uh, one more time?
3: Yeah, so my website is endalldisease.com. And if you guys sign up, all the listeners, um, you can get three free ebooks for signing up. Uh, one is on chemotherapy, which is actually a chapter from my first book, so you can preview my work. You also get a free ebook on sodium bicarbonate, which is a chapter from my second book. You can see the work there. And then a red light therapy dose guide, which shows you the exact doses from studies that have been found effective, so you know how long to treat yourself.
2: Yes, which is really important. Answering a lot OD? of questions in there about that.
3: Can I OD on red light? Uh, no, not even at any dose or dose frequency has an overdose been uh, documented at all. Just like magic
0: mushrooms and cannabis. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't know about that. I took 10 grams of mushrooms. Once oh. and, uh, <laughs> you might feel like you're going to die. <laughs> <but you're laughs> well, that is, that's said, a heroic I, dose. I thought it was over. Yeah, double heroic dose, right? Oh. <sighs>
0: Have you got dabbled in the DMT yet?
3: I have, yeah. I tried, <sighs> I tried ayahuasca, and it was—I don't know how he made it, or if it just wasn't good stuff. But it was nothing compared to the pure DMT that I smoked. Holy fuck! Right? Yeah, Jeez. Darren,
2: I think Dan, Darren's probably <laughs> probably better off not doing ayahuasca after starting with wow, the smoking the DMT.
3: Like the cosmic circus. Oh,
0: of oh, it's unbelievable. I can still like head back to that place sometimes when I'm caught up in a bunch of bullshit. And I get back to that moment of, it's all meaningless. It's all, it's just a ride. Have some fun.
3: Back I just back. remember, like, it being so detailed. It, like, oh. took my breath away. It was fucking unbelievable. Buddy said I've a word. I so still can't breath.
0: remember the word. I've been trying to get back to this word Buddy said to me, and I just, I i have to go back, try and reconnect. Anyway, I just – yeah, wow. That I don't think you could eat enough muff, mushrooms to mimic that. Muffrooms? Muffrooms.
2: Any uh, any any idea uh, – any plan on getting your books on audio at all?
3: Yeah, one of the best narrators in the country right here. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought about it and actually started doing it for myself. And oh. then I realized if you look at the book, there's a lot of like point form things when I detail the effects yeah, yeah, yeah. of – Chemotherapy, for example, it's yeah. effects on the heart and yeah. all these things. I don't know how good it would sound on an audio book. Um, if you want to try, is... I'm definitely down for paying you to make that happen, though, because I would love to have it on audiobook.
0: Yeah, we should talk about that because yeah. usually I listen to a lot of those technical books on audio and usually what they'll do is they'll make an, a website. And it'll be like, you know, you'll so you'll mention in the audiobook at those times like head to, you know, www.blahblahblah.com blah dot com for all the charts and visuals and everything else. It's like an audio book accompaniment.
2: Well, I, I listen to it on yeah, I understand what you mean. I I listen to the one of your books on Voice Dream and and, and it, it gets it sounds a little repetitive with the list, but I mean I, I don't mind it. I, 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 I think that's fine. So yeah, we'll talk about that offline too.
3: All right, sounds good.
2: All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much yeah, for coming you. on the show.
3: It's been a pleasure.
0: All right. Absolutely. Thanks. Uh come back anytime. And uh yeah, tell the library we said thank you. I think it's great that these podcast studios are springing up at the library. We've got a couple in our new library too. You know what? We should go down and do a show from the library one day. We
2: should. That would yeah, be fun. That would yeah. be fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks a lot.
0: All right, Mark. Yeah. Thanks guys. Yeah. Ciao for Cheers. now. And that was our chat.
2: So I just want to say, we just barely scratched the surface. If you read all the benefits of red light, all the studies, and the problems with the cancer industry, like he gets much more deeper in the books. We really only had a chance to, to, to scratch the surface. You can't say
0: more deeper. More deeper? Yeah. It's a double positive. Okay, okay. More in depth? There you go, How or just deeper, that? or more deep. <laughs> uh, I just want to go to the chats quick. Yeah. It was sodium bicarbonate. Yeah, thanks uh, for joining us, everybody. In the and chats. I just this one comment from S ninety made me laugh. He says, "Darren and Graham going to be sitting in cor- sitting on a corner in front of a red light, eating baking soda. <laughs> <laughs> Better than cooking crack with it."
2: I right. got uh, I got threatened in the red light district with a needle full of AIDS. Did you? Yeah. Kind of sitting in front of red lights, then.
0: Yeah. Baking soda. And a gun. Back in the day. One guy had a gun. A gun? A needle full of AIDS, and we just ran. Do you think it was really a needle full of?
2: I don't know, but that was back in, like, 1990 yeah, when AIDS height. was AIDS. It was the
0: height of the shit. Oh,
2: You're like, I can cure that AIDS with that red light right over there.
0: I'm having trouble. <laughs> I'm having trouble coming to terms with uh, the sugar thing. I know. Me too. I'm to And have to.
2: And the fasting. You know, you're throwing everything upside down. I mean,
0: yeah, Tipping over the whole apple cart. Yeah. (laughs) We'll have to re-stabilize the cart and take a look at what still fits. Big thanks to Mark for coming on the show. Big thanks to all you guys for tuning in and listening. We love you for it. Grandamerica.ca slash support. Help us keep having these free, commercial-free, fantastic interviews, fantastic chats, adding some value to your life, we hope. That's what we aim to do here. Maybe you could aim to shoot a little value back our way. Grandamerica.ca slash support. And, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.
1: I hear my soulmate whistling like a tea kettle Playing that seductive game Running through the meadow Amongst the flower petals Amongst the flower petals She likes to swing on the swing set Singing '90s sit songs, and na 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 '90s sit songs. How do you unfold your music? Have you got a computer synced up to an auto tuner? Oh woohoo! I got psychedelic in the summer. Man, it was a bummer when the leaves turn black, when the leaves turn black, when the leaves turn black. I tried to reach you, but my limbs were broken, but my limbs were broken. How do you unfold your music? Have you got a computer synced up to end? to nerd Oh, woo Like a light At the end of a tunnel I hear my soulmate Whistling like a tea kettle Playing that seductive game Running through the meadow Amongst the flower petals Amongst the flower petals She likes to swing on the swing set Singing 96 songs, 96 songs. How do you unfold your music? Have you got a computer synced up to an auto tuner?